ladies and gentlemen, or should I say, Lokis and Gods of Mischief. Huh? 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 We are back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now on television, and this is Raven On, the podcast. We are here to start on the latest Marvel TV show, which is Loki. And joining me is a man who Owen Wilson wishes he could be. It's Stuart Late. <laughs> Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, I mean, the feeling is mutual. I wish that I could be Owen Wilson. Maybe we could swap one day. We could just swap timelines. I don't know, man. I'm trying to do his accent. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very hard. What are you? <laughs> I, I was brushing up my, my Owen Wilson uh, beforehand. I, I sort of landed on like, hey, man, what, what's going on? That's and I think it. that's close, but like, I, there's something wrong there. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a little bit nasally. Yeah, you got to uh, get up in the in the hat a bit. Um, yeah. You know? I, I feel can... like I, I go past Owen Wilson into Jimmy Stewart. Oh, see, you I know, was so sort of loud. Oh, come on now. Give these people their money. See, I was going the other way. I was going past Owen Wilson like, yeah, man, into Jack Nicholson. I was like, hey, I'm <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Well, that, that's you know? a totally different franchise. Yeah, wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we are here to do Loki. And thank you for your patience in uh, listeners if you have not had content in the intervening times because life's been busy. And Stu's been sick, you poor bugger. You've I've had a run. i very of- sick, Natalie. It, it, hopefully it doesn't sound like it because I've somehow pulled my voice into some semblance of shape for this record. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I've, I've been uh, in a heap and my voice collapsed on me. So that's why we're a bit late with this first episode. That's no, that's all good. It's important to rest your beautiful chocolate voice. It's important. <laughs> I think I think the chocolate the, the chocolate's a bit that uh, it's been in the fridge too long and it's got that white film on it. <laughs> or it's ice magic, so it's yeah, just exactly, like yeah. slightly frozen it's up separated. a bit. You just need to yeah, you just need to get into it. And, just need to give it a uh, shake. Yeah, put it in the microwave. Just soften it up a bit. Well, yes. So here we are to discuss uh, Loki, Stu. Because I did get a text from. My sister-in-law, Debbie, who just messaged me out of the blue going, can't wait for a Loki podcast. And I was like, oh, yes, we'll be starting that this week. And she said, you'll have to get Stu to explain the backstory of the character. And I went, oh, you know well, what? That's which, a- which one? Loki? <laughs> well, as in, you know, the Marvel, I guess, how they brought this Loki to the screen. Right. Like, is, okay, right. is what we're seeing based on comics? Is it based on stuff from the comics? Give oh, us a okay. bit of... Well, I'm- well, a little yeah. bit. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, that, but but this is very much its own thing. It's it's actually very exciting how much it's just sort of riffing on the MCU specifically, but also bringing in all these comics elements. It's fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it. What I do love, though, and, and we will talk about this, is that the show just explained everything you need to know. Um, <laughs> like, literally everything you need to know. Like, it's all there. It was a very big world-building first episode. Oh, this is one of the most assured first episodes of a show I think I've ever seen. Like, yeah. like normally an exposition dump like this happens in, like, episode two or three. No, no, no. This one, right out of the gate. Okay, here's the deal. 50 minutes of exposition. Yeah, there was even a fair amount happening before they even flashed up the opening credits, where with totally. all the different Loki typefaces rolling past and I went oh yeah they had there was a good almost 10 minutes of Loki just going through processing at the what is it the time variance agency uh authority I think authority okay the TVA. The TVA. there was just a lot of bureaucratic sort of processing that happened before we even got to the credits so um yeah they'd set up at least this conceit of a bureaucratic slow slightly obtuse opaque Mm. bureaucratic system and then some intense sort of physical restrictions and stuff like that uh really well 
very early on. So is the TVA from the comics? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they haven't been a massive part of the comics, but a lot of this stuff is from like the cosmic side of of Marvel, like all the space stuff, which actually I, I've never really I, it's not my specialty. I, I've never really been um, a big fan of the comics that they were putting out with all that stuff. So this is uh, very much outside of my wheelhouse, except for Loki. I've always loved like the, the Loki character. But it is from the comics, and the 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 time arbiters or whatever they're called are from the are from the comics. Like they they're literally well, the uh, time the timekeepers. The timekeepers, yeah, exactly. Yeah. are from the comics, and in fact are basically like the whole thing in the comics is an extended riff on the comics editors who have to keep continuity straight. Oh right, I see. So it's a bit of meta you know, commentary. And, and guard guard the sacred timeline. You know, this is yeah. all this is all very tongue in cheek meta commentary on you know being a comics a comic book editor. So it's very interesting that that's where they're going with this and, you know, having to keep the timeline straight. Yeah. So a basic outline is Loki at the end of Endgame stole the Tesseract, but at the point in time that we know as the end of the first Avengers movie. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So As uh, simple as that, Natalie. Yeah, just as simple as that. So it happened in Endgame, but actually was a flashback. Well, not a flashback, a travel through time back. And that's something, I didn't have this on my list, but you have to keep in mind that the events that we're seeing here happen immediately after the first Avengers movie, as far as Loki is concerned. He is just a few hours after being slammed into the ground repeatedly by Hulk. By the Hulk, yeah. Well, he says at one point, it's been a very long day. (laughs) That was a really fun reference to the fact that this is the day that he came to Earth. He did that big crazy speech in front of everyone with his horns. He ended up bringing those big machine space worms through the hole in the fabric of space and got smashed up by the Hulk. Like, (laughs) so yeah, it has been a very long day for him. So it's a very fun thought experiment, I guess, or time experiment uh, to take him back. But the basic run of the episode or the basic setup for the, for the series is that by doing that, by picking up that Tesseract, which had been re kidnapped by the Avengers, he has changed his timeline. And that is a problem because it's a, a, an error that could cause further errors or further breaches and branches of time that are outside, as you said, what is called the sacred timeline. Perfectly so, yes. Yeah, so clear. <laughs> but instead of just being immediately reset, which I guess is being erased, is that no, or just put back into your. Well, no, I think well, I think that's going to play into the series as we go forward because those that they call them reset charges. Yes. And I think they annihilate that timeline. Like I think they yes. erase it from existence. And we see that guy, that 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 uh, shitty dude, the other um, random in, dude, in the yeah. line, get annihilated. Yeah. Uh, just by that weird nightstick thing. Yeah. Just so yeah. they are destroying universes is yes. what's happening. Yes. Like cauterizing wounds, I guess. Yeah. Just, exactly. You know, tying it off. <laughs> you know, the limb is no more. Loki then is recruited by Owen Wilson's character, Mobius, who's a sort of a mentor figure, not Morpheus, Mobius. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a very important distinction. And he is trying to find out why Loki does what he does and whether he could then help them, like if he can recruit Loki to help them catch a monster who's going That's through it. time. And, and, and his, his interest in Loki becomes apparent by the end of the episode. 
It's it, yeah. we find out why he's so interested in figuring out what makes Loki tick. Because Loki is the monster who's going. Because through. Loki is the variant they're hunting. Yeah, exactly. Right. So does that suggest that there's another variant that's happened in a different timeline? Well, yes. Yeah, exactly. So so there's a different version of Loki out there who at some point has figured out how to get around the TVA and is wreaking havoc. And right. They have, to, they have to stop him. And oh, so geez. this version pops up and, and Owen Wilson and Mobius is like, huh, I wonder if I could like, you know, have 40 odd minutes of exposition with him. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that it was done very well. Why don't we get to our minute challenge? This seems yes, like a good time to get to our minute challenge. Do you want to go first then? Because I feel like you'll have the intelligent things to say. Uh, well, well <laughs> that's, that's always a, a, a fraught assumption, Natalie, but let's see how it goes. <laughs> All right, so the first thing on my list was, hey, the TVA get Disney Plus too. Oh, you mean their little box with Yeah, they, they, they get all they have all the Avengers movies on <laughs> on, on streaming. <laughs> Let me just bring up the app here. Uh, <laughs> Can I that's so funny that you go like, oh, you'll have the intelligent things to say and that you've gone with a really funny joke to start with, whereas my <laughs> my first line in my minute challenge was Loki. He's only the villain, so others can be the heroes. Oh yes. Well that that's that's a central <laughs> conceit of the of the episode. You're absolutely I love right. You started with a joke because I didn't have any I couldn't think of any jokes in this episode. Well uh, to be fair, that's the only joke I could think of. It gets yeah. fairly dull from here. <laughs> yeah, I think because there was so much set up it was such a as you say exposition. Mm. Uh, and there weren't a lot of things to to pick apart or, or make fun of so far. But yeah, sorry. But yeah, you're right. They had all the Avengers movies at the right exactly the right time. That's and, it. They've got it all queued up to the time codes and stuff. They know what's and, going on. Yeah, and well, when during that interrogation, when Loki finds himself back in the room and has to go through, it's it's, it's almost like a microfilm. You know, in old movies where people would be like flick through microfiche. Yeah, a little and bit, yeah. They would automatically land on the story that they needed to find, like journalists. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Like, flick, flick, there it is, look. It doesn't take you eight hours. Yeah, in 1925, there was a house that burnt down, and look, it's the same name as this ghost. <gasps> oh, you know, they immediately find it. It was kind of like that. He, he jumps to... <laughs> He jumps to all the right points where he has a major, you know, incident in the Marvel timeline. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> including his death at the hand of uh, Thanos. And he learned how to use the machine very quickly. I suppose he is very clever. But. He is very clever. I mean, let, let's give him that. He is. He figures out stuff very well, which I thought was really interesting. But uh, you're right. I mean, we could we can maybe talk about that. Like, it, it, the Tom Hiddleston in this episode was like a powerhouse, like just a complete <laughs> masterclass in just acting and not in a very showy way like 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 it all rests on him and yes. he absolutely sells it the idea of this arrogant self-centered very powerful but you know not as powerful as he thinks he is entity yes landing somewhere where none of that matters where he is utterly insignificant and him sort of dealing with that and raging against it and then hitting that moment in the office where he just sees all the infinity stones strewn about a drawer. Yes, yes. And it, he just it's just shock and horror and a weird sort of admiration and all sorts of emotions just sort of play over his face when he sees them. He's just like he had been at that point wielding two infinity stones earlier that day. And that was a huge deal. You know, yes, the fact that he is yeah, able true. to do that is actually like incredibly, you know, rare. Like there are a few beings in the Marvel Universe who are able to wield one infinity stone, let alone two at once. Yes. Thanos has to have a special prosthesis made so that he can wield all of them at the same time and not be immediately annihilated. So the idea that these guys just have them sitting in a drawer somewhere and some of them use them as paperweights. Yes. Uh, that's 
utterly deflating to Loki. Like it just instantly undercuts it. I have that in my list as saying I was delighted by that because it took me a while to clock on to what the significance was because he looks for the Tesseract is just in a drawer and then he's like, but these are Infinity Stones. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, there's a few more around the place. And he's like, they don't work. And I thought that was great because so much has been put into the Infinity Stones well, over the years. this is it. I, I had this written down as a separate point as well. Like the sheer bald-faced audacity of downplaying the Infinity Stones after making the entire point of the last three phases of your universe yes. getting the Infinity Stones. <laughs> I loved it. I, I <laughs> loved that. I, I thought it was great. It was oh, like, it's incredible. Oh, then this will be a story that is not about Infinity Stones. Yes, but, well, hopefully not anyway. Like, like, But what, what an incredible signal. I've seen a lot of people saying that, like, it invalidates everything that's come before. I've seen a lot of that sort oh. of reaction online. And it couldn't be anything further from the truth. Like, the point is, in-universe, these Infinity Stones are incredibly powerful. But outside of the universe, where the TVA exists, they're just things. They're just, they're, they're nothing. They don't they don't have any power. They are like, trinkets. Any more than they would have any power over us in the real world. Yes, they're little fancy gems. Exactly. It's you a know, and, and to, to ha- Exactly. They're, they're literally just little trinkets. And so to have them be so utterly called out like that, I think is a very good way to shortcut Loki to an understanding that he is very insignificant in the grand yeah. scheme. Yeah, and particularly because he loves relying on that. Um, and I, I didn't say this on my list. Uh, maybe you did, but the, the whole jokes about... I don't like to talk. Oh, come on now. We know you like to talk. <laughs> and because and, and he does, that's that's what he defers to is, I am a god. I am all powerful. I bow b- before me, peasants and ants. And all of a sudden he can't do that there. Uh, so it's taking away, it's, it's pulling the carpet out from under him that he is kind of a nobody. Like he's a somebody because they're interested in him. I mean, he, he, is, has... he is a minor god within the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, for sure. you know, he's not but, the most powerful being, even within the Marvel Universe itself, let alone in this strange, extra-worldly dimension. Yes, and I think it's the contrast between the colour and rage of a, of a god villain like Loki that his ultimate match is therefore the boring, process-oriented, bureaucratic office. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, nothing will beat a god of mischief, of chaos, than paperwork and bureaucracy and forms. Like, it just is so perfect. I just think it's really clever. Yeah, no, I I do too. I I think you're right. Like, like only the crushing weight of bureaucracy could stop a flamboyant (laughs) villain like like Loki. Like, like just the the idea that, like, that, that room where he has to, like, here's everything you've ever said. And then he says, what? And then another page prints out. This is ridiculous. Another page prints out. He's like, oh, yeah. God, let me just sign it and I'll get out of here. It was beautiful. You know? A thought flashed through my mind while I was watching that episode, Stu, and I don't know how correct I am, but I felt like, do you remember in the Austin Powers, in the first movie at any rate, <laughs> they had, like, the henchman's backstory? Yes, yeah, yeah, You know, where where, where a henchman got killed and then they'd cut to, you know, the call being made to his wife at home and kid and it's like, honey, daddy won't be coming home. But what happened? There was an accident at the supervillain plant, you know. (laughs) And I felt like this whole episode was an extended riff on that idea of what happens behind the scenes 
to the henchman, but in this case, it's the villain, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely an element of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I get what you're going with that. The big um, influence for me, and this was another thing I had written on my list, was um, it reminded me a lot of the movie version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There was a lot of, like, like with the Vogon, you know, yeah. bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, there, there yeah. There was a lot of that feel. Like, yes. Because they're both drawing on the same sort of, you know, mid-60s, soul-crushing bureaucracy yes. sort of stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, there's definitely a feel there. There, there, was, there. there was a very Vogon feel to a lot of it. Yeah, just without the poetry. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so the next item on my list was Owen Wilson and Tom uh, Hiddleston have incredible chemistry. Um, yeah. They are an, an incredible double act. Who knew those two, those two guys? <laughs> Who knew? Uh, no, see, that's Jack Nicholson again. <laughs> What's happening, Loki? <laughs> Yeah, they were very good. And they were would have been fun scenes to film where it's just the two of you kind of back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I've seen, I've read interviews uh, with Tom Hiddleston and with Owen Wilson, who sort of said that Tom Hiddleston came in and was like, because he's worked on these films pretty much since the beginning. And, and he's, he's a bit of a geek himself. So he, he has all of his backstory memorized. He knows Loki inside and out and how he fits into the wider Marvel universe. And apparently he would just sit Owen Wilson down and just do it like, like a complete complete fire hose of geek stuff at him for like <laughs> about half an hour. And yeah, I think I saw like, somewhere. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere that Owen Wilson like hasn't watched many Marvel movies or something. Yeah, like that. no, <laughs> he, do, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would. But yeah. you know, he's got Tom Hiddleston there to tell him all the, the important things that he needs to know. That's right. Lucky man, personalized. It is kind of cute when um, I think it was was it David Tennant and Peter Capaldi were both like massive Doctor Who geeks before yes, becoming the yeah, Doctor. Yeah, exactly. It's always nice when you know people who are geeks. Well, Peter, of... Peter Capaldi tells the story that uh, on his first day on the TARDIS set, uh, one of the stagehand, one of the prop masters came up and was explaining what the buttons on the on the TARDIS console do, and he was like, "It's it's okay, I I know what they all do." <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, that's cute. Uh, yeah, it's sometimes nice to see people, you know, become their heroes. It's so sweet. It doesn't always work, but when no. it works, it works. And that, that was, yeah. yeah, David Tennant and Peter Capaldi are two examples where it worked very well. Yeah. So the next thing on my list was, and we kind of we kind of talked about this, but I, I was really interested to see that, first of all, that this was essentially a clip show yes. of the first episode. Like, it was yes. pretty crazy. That that's It's a bold move. It's a bold opening yes. gambit, but it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> this episode flies by. It's 51 minutes long without the credits. Like, it just, it sails by. It is so well done. It's so deftly done. There is so much information that they throw at you, but a lot of it is visual. A lot of it is inferred. And a lot of it, even when it's told to you, it's told to you in an entertaining way. What they are doing should not be revolutionary, but it is. Like, this is one of the best exposition dumps I've ever seen in my life. It is such a good example of getting information across to the audience in an interesting way. It's so good. It's so good. I can't believe how good this is. And what it serves to do is it turbocharges Loki's character development to get him to the place where he was at Endgame, despite him immediately. Like, again, this is the afternoon after he just got beaten by the Avengers. Yes. You know, he is at the height of his supervillainy and they completely fast forward, you know, which is very appropriate given given who we're talking about, like like his entire character arc. You know, he sees his his life laid before him. 
he sees the ultimate futility, but also the moments of joy and beauty and healing that he had along the way. And he kind of internalizes them straight away. And so we get him to a place, not exactly the same, but similar enough and far enough removed from supervillainy that he's a useful character and he, he yeah. can he can he can go forward in this series as a character that can engage. He'll probably be a bit more villainous and duplicitous than he was at the end of Endgame. Yes. But certainly that they've done this incredible magic trick of taking Loki at the height of his villainy, which is what a lot of people sort of loved about him, but then also giving him the redemption arc in about 20 minutes or so. It's a magic trick. I can't believe they pulled it off. It's incredible. And this is episode <laughs> one. Yeah. And they stripped him, got him to be vulnerable uh, to a place exactly. where as the audience, you can then kind of, cheer for him not the people i mean people have always sort of cheered for loki he's one of those popular villains but to see him exposed like that and you get to have that storyline start to come in as i said where he's being interrogated by mobius like yeah but why do you do what you do like what's yeah. the reason it's like no one's actually asked him that question before and he probably hasn't asked himself he just sort of is and to me that sort of re- revelation about like you're the villain so that others can become their best selves. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine thinking that you are the hero of your story and being told, no, 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 you're the obstacle. Yeah, you're the thing that has that people, you need to be there so the best of the best can become their best selves. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of devastating. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I, felt such, um, I felt such sympathy with Loki at that point because yeah. he – has felt this justified rage that he hasn't had his due or he was born for better things and all this stuff. And then to be like, no, 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 you're just someone who's a bit jumped up, bit overinflated ego, a little bit woe is me, a little bit I'm better than you. And your being you makes other people the best them. So you you don't change. Everyone else changes and becomes better. You have a, a, a minor redemption arc and then you're killed by the, the actual villain. Yes, that's right. And then you don't even get your glorious power. You you know, yeah. you're, you're, it turns out you're insignificant next to, to Thanos. Hmm. And I think that it's such a lovely theme that hopefully the series will play with, you know, because as you say, we are all the heroes of our own story. And then it's so shocking to us when we find out that we're a villain in someone else's story. Like I know, gosh, there's a strange guy who has a slight feud uh, or like a grudge against me that dates back almost 20, like 15 years, 17 years or something like that. Do I know this person? I'm trying to think who this is. No, I don't. I don't think you know this person. This is before I I met you. But over like some weird random fight in the arts community I was in at the time, and this person will still like just not talk to me or walk past me, and it's like – a grudge that's going on 15 years. So in that person's mind, in his story, because, uh, yes, it is a man, I am a villain. <laughs> yes, and it's exactly. Just, the, the reason this comes to mind is I think I saw that he has a Twitter account and I didn't even ever know that. And the reason I didn't know that is because I'm blocked. Oh, I didn't even, nice, a preemptive I, block. I didn't even know that it, he existed on Twitter. And so when I saw this account tweeted by someone else and I went, oh, oh, I'm blocked. I didn't even know. <laughs> So he was like, yeah, and and it's like, oh gosh, what would it take for him to kind of get over his grudge? I don't know. It's I think it's just now a state of mind that I'm a bad guy. So yeah, and it's funny because he's worldview now. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't know why he should have that when he's arguably gone on to do you know very successful things in the arts world, and you know have a, a fairly successful career there, and yet somehow 
still carrying a grudge over like some 15, 17 year old random internet argument. People are different, you know? So it's just sort of weird to think of myself as a villain because I think of myself as like a, a, you know, a small sort of put upon Cinderella type who's um, sure. <laughs> yes, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> waiting for some sort of fairy godmother to kind of make me pretty and send me to the ball. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. Instead, I'm, you know, the crazy lady who lives with cats. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think that'll be really fun in the Loki series to have him kind of work out, well, who does he want to be? Is this character, is this outfit of villain actually one that he wants to wear? Well, that's right. I I think that that we've got five more episodes uh, left. And I think a lot of them are going to be have as one of their central themes, who is Loki and and where where does he fit in? How does he, you know, can he be a hero? What, What is his role? So that that's really interesting. I'm really I'm really looking forward to how that sort of shakes out. And of course, we'll definitely be getting a lot of that because as as we saw at the end of the episode, the variant that they're hunting is him. Uh, yes, a version of him. Which you know what that means. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston gets to play bad guy and worse guy. Exactly right. <laughs> it's got to be fun because it happens a lot in. Um, sci-fi shows and stuff where like an evil version of the person shows up or a uh you know in Buffy they had the sexy willow or whatever it was and <laughs> yes yeah there's always like alternate realities and you get to play your bad guy and it must be fun doing that yeah as an to, actor. to play a version of the character that's that's like fundamentally the opposite to what they yeah. normally are but still or, the character you know yeah yeah or in Loki's case it'll be you know the worst of what he became the and worst possible version of him yeah yeah and hopefully it can be quite entertaining to see how he responds to that and it's like oh I don't want to be what you know yeah. Really? Well, it'll be interesting. I, I, if one of my main predictions coming out of this episode comes true, I think that will provide an interesting wrinkle. But maybe not. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But we'll you get to them a, a bit later. But oh, okay. that, that's basically my list. The only other thing that I had written down was, so where's Mephisto? <laughs> you know, we, we, got a de- we got a devil's picture. Are we going to get Mephisto in this one? Oh, is that? Okay, so that was in the chapel. That, in that was the, yeah, in the chapel. She points to the devil. Um, so what we can probably infer from that is that it's Loki with his horns on. But you know, I just thought it was funny after all the Mephisto speculation out of WandaVision, and then everyone's saying, "Oh, is Mephisto going to show up in Falcon and Winter Soldier?" It's like surely so he can who, show up here. Who is Mephisto again? He, he's basically the devil. Oh, he's uh, basically the devil. Okay. Basically the the Marvel Universe devil. He's a he's a demon from hell. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and l- likes to likes to get people to trade their souls for things. As you do. So, yeah, as you do. Hopefully that little girl didn't trade her soul for that pack of bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very clever, though. And he's like, what's that blue thing? And then she pulls out the, the bubblegum. Well, because gum. blue is an acronistic at that, at that time. Yes. Oh, certainly blue teeth. Like, why would you have blue teeth? Yeah. So Loki has come in, killed some priests, palmed her off with a pack of bubblegum and taken off. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because he killed a bunch of priests and things, but then he gave the little girl a pack of bubblegum. Yeah. You know? uh, so why, why wouldn't he just kill the little girl? Like, you know, that's, that's interesting. Mischievous. mischievous. He's mischievous. Mischievous scamp. Yeah. Mischievous scamp. That was so good. When he learned how to work that um, that neck brace thing and yes. he, got out of, he got out of the room and he's running wild for a, while, uh, for a minute. And yeah, and Owen Wilson just kind of tilts his head back and is like, mischievous scamp. <laughs> that was great. I like that. Well, yes. Yeah, so um, as, as we've just talked about, the first thing on my list was, you know, here, Loki is the hero so that the Avengers can be become the Avengers. Which, you know, you could take the other way around and go, well, hey, you wouldn't have become who you were if it wasn't for me. I made you who you were. Well, that's, that's true in many ways. Potentially a dangerous path to take. The Avengers wouldn't be anything without me. So, yeah, I wrote Owen Wilson as Mobius. He is both a bureaucrat and a psychologist. 
because he yeah he just well, had some a, lovely he's a he's a, he's a, a mind hunter he's yeah. a uh, he's a profiler. profiler yeah and he had he had some quite devastating lines I think that as you say Tom Hiddleston doing oh, a bang up job some, he had some absolute cut to the quick lines yeah. In here. Hey, you suck, like, don't you? Like, oh yeah, I do. And like the one about him being smart, like like the, the, that that little exchange where he's like, you know, oh, you know, big metaphor guy, you know, makes you sound smart. He's like, I am smart. Okay. okay. <laughs> and the one where, um, oh gosh, yes, he says, uh, he says, I'm a villain. I'm I'm the most dangerous person. He's like, oh no, you're a puppy dog or something like that. You're a pussy cat. Yeah. <laughs> pussy cat, puppy dog, pussy cat, same same. Compared to this guy, but he is that guy. Well, exactly, yeah. And so, obviously that, that variant's been out and about for a lot longer. Yes, yes. I, I do like the way they call it a variant because it's – Well, I like that they're a, leaning into it because, like, he's not the Loki who died at Thanos's hand at the end of Endgame. We know that. And so they're using that as a story feature. I actually find that really interesting. No, but I just – I mean the term variant. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool term, yeah. It's like – It's very descriptive. Yeah, and I don't know – you know how somebody in some sci-fi, you're like, oh, you're a defective or you're a – they have words that kind of have a, a, a negative connotation, I think, if yeah. you're defective or something like that, whereas variant is very neutral. You're a variant, although there is a slightly negative overtone given that the those – um. As you say, the soldiers with the nightsticks who are just kind of like we're coming in through a door and killing stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, Grounding you know, people up, killing stuff, shoving a, a, a stick to your neck and destroying you. Atom uh, I, would, atom. I would point out that like they're, they're not necessarily being portrayed in a, a heroic light. They're, they are functionary at best. Yes. Which is which is good. Um, so yeah, I wrote no magic in the TVA world, and the Infinity Stones are useless. And how I was quite delighted by that. And then the the other things I just wanted to talk about was uh, like the set design and the mm. effects, the the effects of the the neck thing on on Loki when you try to move and you hit a yeah. button and it just takes you back a split second to before you moved. It's such a clever, simple concept utilizing their time control powers to just take you back a second, but you haven't you've still experienced time, but you're yes. back where you began, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. it kind of screws my brain up a bit trying to process how that exactly works. But <laughs> it's, you remember having been shocked back. It's not like they've wound you back and you just don't remember and try again. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because, you, like, theoretically you're getting put into a time loop, but you yes. you retain your memories of what just happened. Yeah, so you – you because otherwise you just keep trying to charge over and over. You need to have that memory of, oh, I got zapped you know, tase it almost back in time. You need to have that memory to stop you trying to do it again. So you've had like that little physical jarring to your body. Mm. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's a very clever effect. And then it just seems to be like, remember remember on old VCR controllers where you'd have like the jog shuttle, the little yes, loop exactly. controller? <laughs> So you can I just think use your I think that's literally what they're what they're sort of um uh, oh, yeah. uh, riffing on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well that would make sense given, as you say, the aesthetic of the whole place had a sixties sci-fi yet boring office vibe. So you yes, had exactly. you had this incredible world that he looks out on quite amazed at, you know, there are cars flying and big sort of very alien looking landscapes or buildings and that sort of thing. But there's no magic there. It's all just technology, I guess. Mm. And uh, there was something, there was like the pillars, like the three timekeepers as a, as yeah, a that, pillar. Yeah, that central like statue, up, yeah. Yeah, holding up a building or something like that. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was the retro Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Ah, uh, yes. The explanatory, you know, you're in line at the at the office. Here's what you can expect. I got some um, serious uh, Mr. DNA vibes from Jurassic Park from that. 
I don't yes. know whether you did. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a but, dinosaur. Yeah, but I think, but it was the Hanna Barbera style. It was like Flintstone style of yes. animation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, but it, it was interesting. It was Miss Miss Minutes who was the narrator, the little clock, and which and, was fantastic. Which was talking about the, the there was a a war of a multiverse war. There was a multiversal war. That's interesting. So how does that even happen? How do you how do you have a war when you don't know other universes? Well, obviously there are beings who are powerful enough who do know that a, a multiverse existed. Yeah. Um, and they fought one another, and now there is only one timeline, a sacred timeline. Yes, but then how? how who are the timekeepers that they're more powerful than anyone else? And why, if they're so powerful, did they let a war happen in the first place? Mm, well, exactly. All good questions, Natalie. <laughs> Like okay, there are three who are, and what, are, are they eternal beings? Can they die? Can they? Well, this you know? is the thing. I mean, we think about what we know is upcoming. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a cheat, um, but you know, we know that the multiverse is going to feature quite heavily in both the Doctor Strange sequel, which is literally called the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. and in the Ant Man sequel, Quantum Mania, which features. The they're really appearance. yeah yeah that, that's the name and thor is love and thunder they're really leaning into the sexy you know oh, funny titles I now love it. i love it I, I love that they're going full crazy and weird it's great <laughs> not only do i love the aesthetic of it but it's actually a really good way to distinguish this next phase from the one previously like the one previously was very buttoned down very uh you know don't get too weird and scare all the normies away like we don't want to go too full comic book shit with this like just yeah Keep it, keep it grounded, keep it great, and then every, then they do Endgame, and everyone's like, okay, we all love superheroes now, so let's just get full weird. Like, just get the weirdest, craziest things from Marvel Marvel Comics and throw them all together and see what happens. And Shang, Shang-Chi, was it? Shang-Chi's Shang-Chi. happening. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know whether Shang-Chi will have a lot to do, but we, but the Eternals are coming, oh, who are yeah. all very powerful, and of course tie into the Celestials, who are, like, multiverse-level beings. So where are the Celestials in all this? Like, where were the Eternals? throughout everything that happened um, um you know all questions that will hopefully be answered in the future because we saw the uh trailer for the eternals yes yes we did which that, seems that, to be that a, since, since come out yeah is is that really a case of because the trailer made it out to be like we've been there watching from the beginning and we've never done anything until now and you're like really like not you know the great the black death or world war one world war two or you know thanos landing an army on earth yeah that didn't that didn't seem to pique your snap interest in half of life in all of the universe yeah they were fine that, that was fine with that bad. that were yeah. fine with that uh but angelina <laughs> jolie's got a very worried expression on her face but i don't care because it's both rob stark and john snow i'm well, exactly in. i'm in i didn't i don't know how i missed that and, and one of the characters is called well. Cersei, so. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's spelt differently and whatever. Is, yes. Who is Jon Snow playing, Kit Harrington? He is playing, I forget his name name, but his, his like, superhero name is Black Knight. Oh. Um, is he uh, an Eternal or is he? No, no, so he's a guy, his whole deal is very complicated, but basically he's, like, a, yeah, he's a superhero based around, like, being a knight. Uh, <laughs> so, actually, same, same, trying, same, 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 same for Kit Harrington then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very, complicated um, yeah, story. He's playing a character called Black Knight, so that's very Knightwood uh, is involved. Very in his that. wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Rob Stark as well. Richard Madden. Gosh, they're gosh, they're dishy. I'm sorry. They're, they're so good-looking guys. Guys. 
I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. But you know me. It, <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to be in the cinema, like, with popcorn, just going, show us the abs. Show us the abs. <laughs> and hopefully they will they will come good. But, yeah, I, di- I did see um, there's a little bit, that, that whole kind of, like, we've watched and waited and only interfered when we have it. It's... It's got a bit of a mixed background. Well, I, I trust I trust them enough now. Yeah, exactly. Like I trust them enough now to actually explain that. Like, because they're yeah. going to have to. Like, where have they been? What have you yes. been doing? But also, uh, like so, in the yeah. in the real world, the idea of you know, um, you know how some people now believe that like, oh, the Egyptians could never have built the pyramids. It must have been aliens. Like, there's so, a real. So now, yeah. <laughs> It but plays into that, that same that narrative. Is, is, yeah, that movie is the is that meme. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Yeah, and it's it's that meme of like, oh, humans weren't smart enough to do anything. It was aliens who helped us or first gave us <laughs> fire or whatever, which is slightly problematic if you if you look at it that way. Like, you know, Egyptians couldn't do anything. All these old cultures uh, couldn't do anything. It must have been aliens. And it's like, yeah. No <laughs> There have been smart people in all sorts of places yeah, for a long that's time. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that that, that will be uh, interesting. We'll have to do a, a podcast about that film when yes, it comes out. I, I'd love to. When is that due out? Later this year or? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, it caught me on the hop. I don't know. I think it's later this year. It might be next year. Next it could be 2022. I think it might be actually Do- next year. It's Black Widow soon and then Doctor Black Strange. Widow soon, yeah. Black Widow's yeah. coming up and then Shang-Chi's later this year, I think. So oh, it's Shang-Chi, next yeah. Year. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Where were we? Um, no, the set design and the retro, the cartoon and all that styling was fabulous and just gave this such a different aesthetic to WandaVision, which, of course, was different to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was much more grounded in reality. WandaVision had that lovely sitcom element and all that sort of stuff. And this has given it a Star Trek meets The Office kind of vibe, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love the I, – I always like incredibly advanced technology that looks like incredibly old basic technology. Like, I, I love that. I really I really enjoy that as an aesthetic. Oh, so this like is what I'm his, little, his little red computer in the room? The yes. Little- Stuff like that, you know, and and like the time turner device being like a weird little remote control, you know, like like there's all this stuff, yeah. and, and the fact that like he, the the device on his neck is this weird little 1950s looking like ham radio looking thing. It's good. It's fun. I, I like that stuff. Yeah, and it it, hel- it helps stop things from being dated. Yeah, um, because you're, you're deliberately making them anachronistic, so it just automatically yeah, makes it timeless in a way. That's that's right, because I think now if you look at um, I've never seen it all, but I think I remember watching a Terminator. Oh no, no, what's the one? Total Recall. I saw like a flicked over. Oh and right. And you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger walking through some sort of train or something, and there were all these TVs, and it's like here yeah, in the future. They're, they're all CRT TVs. They're all just massive CRT TVs. Like, like the fact that the, the 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 futuristic thing is the fact that they put a, a giant box TV on the train. That that's yeah. that's meant to be the futuristic thing. So you there's a lot of, and you can see a lot of in a lot of sci-fi movies where they've gone, you know, oh look, here's a VHS tape, but we've just painted it red, so it looks. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Red Dwarf's a classic for that. They've got lots of 80s technology and 90s well, technology just painted Star in different colors. Star Trek is a classic example of that because they have like pads and things like that. Like they have these what what are basically iPads, right? But the concept of the internet doesn't really exist in Star Trek. Like they they have physical data chips that they have to like take from person to person or or if they they hand someone a report they give them their the entire 
pad. Like they, they give them the pad and like, here, here's, here's the thing with the stuff on it. It's like, ah. what are you talking about? Like today it would just be like, oh, I'm sending this to your, I'm, yes. I'm you know, sending it to you. You know, that, yes. that concept doesn't quite exist in Star Trek. Sometimes I just think it was only half my life ago that none of this stuff existed. Yeah, it was it was vanishingly short time ago. It was, uh, it was post-2000s, there was still no smartphones. Yeah, my first few big trips in my early 20s overseas, I think the first one I had a film camera and the second one I had a little digital camera and a, and a tape video camera with the tapes, the little mini tapes. And then on my big trip in 2006, I had a little Siemens phone just yes. for emergencies. Yeah. And you're like, this is 2006. That's well, on my on my even. honeymoon in 2014, I had a small burner phone and a digital camera. Right. I wasn't. I didn't have a smartphone that I was taking with me and doing like data roaming. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. And that was 2014. And like in, as, as I said, in, when I was traveling in the 2000s, it's just internet cafes everywhere because yeah. that's how you got onto the internet. You had to go that's to an it. internet cafe. But of course now you just wouldn't. You just find Wi-Fi networks. Yeah, they're like, like the local cafe has a free Wi-Fi. Yeah, like in the whole concept of an internet cafe burgeoned in the late 90s and then was gone by the late 2000s before 2010, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a 10-year kind of thing of like, oh, my God, we can make so much money by being an internet cafe. And you'd go into these internet cafes and it was like a whole floor just full of computers, everyone paying, you know, $2 an hour or whatever it was. Mm. But within a few years, that was gone. And it's just amazing to think like how much in the past, say 200 years ago, what was something that bloomed for 10 years and then was made redundant? I don't know if something would have been that short in. Yes, that's true. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Like a trend. I think there would have been like something that worked for 50 years and then maybe got replaced or do I, I sound very old now, don't I? Isn't no, well, that, no, 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 no. I, I think that's, I, I, I've often, I've found that fascinating myself. I, I would love to say I mean, that that's a very good question. Is there but like in TV shows, they used to have fake phones or fake, you know, fake networks. Or fa I remember even Law and Order initially started having like, oh, they're using this new site on the internet called Friendbook. Um, <laughs> you know, they would have like fake, yes. fake versions of social media or fake, and they wouldn't have people kind of answering phones that were obviously iPhones. But now, you know, I was just watching, you know, Mayor of Easttown recently because mm. it's the big thing. And she's just, you know, you just see the iPhone ringing and you see people texting and it's just like your own iPhone at home. Yeah, because it's like, ubiquitous. Like, like it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not specific. It's It would be anachronistic not to do that. Yes, that's the thing. So you've got the, you know, whereas back in the past you would have like, oh, here's my Hodongo phone. Or, you know, they would create a fake, <laughs> like they have fake beers or fake washing detergents or, fa yes, you know, yeah, stuff yeah, exactly. they invent unless somebody's paid money to have their product in the film. <laughs> Yeah, it just makes my mind boggle. Uh, how did how did we get here? Oh, going back to Loki, the other thing that on my list just finally that I wanted to mention, uh, I did mention the timekeepers and who are they, what do they do? But the idea of the sacred timeline as choice versus fate yeah. and this idea that, oh, yes, you have choices, but they were all part of your fate. And this idea of is your destiny, which I guess is is the ultimate sort of question, isn't it? it do you choose what you do? Or are you making an active choice or are you just doing – are you on a pre-planned path? And in that case, does anything you do matter? So why not just murder people, you know? I don't know why I just said murder people. Um, I don't have a problem. <laughs>
I don't have a problem, Stu. <laughs> but that that whole argument of like choice versus fate, like absolutely. Oh, but yeah, I chose. Very concerned with that, yeah. Yeah, I chose to go and do this and conquer this thing. It's like, oh, but you were just gonna do that anyway. Like you were on a path to do that. It's like, but yeah, but you had a choice and you chose that way. But you were always gonna choose that way. It's like ah. You know, if I decide to have chocolate for breakfast, you know, have I made that conscious choice? You could argue that, no, Natalie, it's you. You were always going to have chocolate for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. Like, yeah, that's true. That kind of does feel like I'm on a pre-planned path. <laughs> but then sometimes, like, today when I got up and I went to Pilates, you know, I chose that. You would think if I was on my pre-planned path, I would just have slept in like I did last week and miss it. But this week I got up and went. So is that a philosophical question that philosophical question that can even be answered? <laughs> I didn't do a bachelor of philosophy, so I uh, it's possible that these questions have been answered. But yeah, free will or free choice? Where do you sit, Stu? Easy question. <laughs> do I believe in free will? <laughs> yeah, just knock it over in five minute chat. In a five minute yeah, chat. Yeah, no, let's just let's solve yeah. uh, solve the mystery of life. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I do that horrible bet hedgy one where I'm like, maybe you don't have a choice, but you have the illusion of choice. So you should still try to make the best choice. And if everything happens for a reason, then it'll all work out. And if there is no guiding hand or if there is no, you know, set path, then having made the best choice is the best path. So, well, and it's funny too because I, I have sometimes often done the whole well that clearly happened for a reason because sometimes <laughs> that those things have happened in sure. my life where I've ended up. I often cite the fact that when I first went to buy my my flat, I had actually had like six contracts on different houses and flats and stuff get go fallen through. And it was like I could not buy a house. Mostly it was because I was trying to buy places above my price range and putting in low low bids. So, you know, but still and and then the flat that I ended up, you know, buying just kind of randomly popped up. It was just one of those I'd sort of stopped looking. I was done with it for a while and then all of a sudden it randomly popped up and all of a sudden it was available and all of a sudden I could get it and and then that way I feel like, oh, that was um uh, meant to be or that was uh happened for a reason yeah but then you hear of people who maybe get cancer and die and you're like well what was the fucking reason for that that was unnecessary yeah. you know someone's driving home and gets t-boned by a car dies what was the reason for that there was no reason for that that was just mean so i yeah i don't know if i can fully believe that everything happens for a reason chaos is what we're dealing with Stu. pure and, unadulterated and as, and as we know as we chaos. know natalie chaos is a ladder it is it's the climb I think Littlefinger and Loki would get on. I think they'd get on. Uh, I think they'd probably try to kill each other within about five minutes. Oh, and I think Littlefinger would probably win. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and Varys would just stand there stroking his chin and smiling. <laughs> just smiling ruefully. But, yes, I'm, I'm interested in how the series has Loki struggle with this idea of, well, hang on, was I always destined to be a villain? Did I choose to be a villain? Mm. Can I choose something else? Is it in my sacred timeline that I choose something else? And also the sacred timeline itself, like, is the resolution, like, there shouldn't be a sacred timeline. There should be, we should go back to having this multiverse that all compete. And Yes. Well, well, I mean, the thing is, um, um, the, the point that I was I was making earlier was that we, we know there is a multiverse in the future, is my point. So In Marvel. In, in Marvel. Not in our future, so, necessarily. Well, well, I mean, we could already be living in one. You never know. No, um, I think um, I think Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast is very against the multiverse theory. Oh, okay. I that's think interesting. That's, 
he talks about science sometimes and I don't really listen, but I think that's his general point. <laughs> Uh, that a lot of people are like, oh, but multiverse is in another universe. And he's like, nah, there's no evidence for that. I think that's his official position. Well, the, but um, the, um, call in if you call, know. Call in if, if, you, if, if you're an you, expert on multiversal theory, that would actually yeah, be great. If you know anything about science, listen to Smart Enough to Know Better. You'll enjoy it. But also call in. I'm happy to be told if there's a multiverse or not. I like the idea <laughs> that in some of the multiverse I am actually, like, really beautiful and, you know, an Oscar-winning actor and have millions of dollars. Um, I'm also incredibly jealous of that version of me and kind of want to punch them for being an <laughs> asshole and getting a little bit too big for their boots and developing an ego and not kind of doing the best with that cash that they could be doing and maybe getting some of that money and, like, putting it into grassroots arts support <laughs> for artists. Like, what are you doing, Natalie? You, you were there. Have you forgotten where you've come from? You know? Alternative me is a bitch. Um, now, are, you, um, are you having a, a Loki-style breakthrough right now? Or? <laughs> it's entirely possible. I am a woman of many mysteries. <laughs> so, yeah, is there anything else we haven't covered yet about that episode? Oh, there was the character of, I think it's, is it, there were two female characters. There was sort of the judge who yes. was kind of sentencing, because you go on trial, but obviously you're always found guilty because, of course, you are. Because they've exactly it's very kind of yeah she seemed to be like friends with Mobius because she let him take Loki away for questioning but then there's uh the other woman who is the uh, guard like the main it is and I'll tell you in a second that what is her name is... she she ha she has a number basically it's, it's yeah like, I think uh, it's a number but I regulator... think the, I think the actor is Wunmi Masaku it is yes I've met her did did you yeah oh wow I. I once hung out with her at the Soho House in London because, of course, I was with Deborah Francis White. Of course. And yes. she knows everyone. And Wunmi then was, like, just sort of starting to come up through, like, mm. she was, it was just before she started on, was it like a zombie show or something she was on? Uh, she was in Lovecraft oh. Country just recently. Oh, no, it was long before that. I'm talking, when would this have been? Gosh, years ago, probably almost 10 years ago or something. No, it, actually, you know what? It would have been 2014. Yeah, I think it was then. And she was just right, sort okay. of coming up because she's she's younger than me I think damn her but yeah so now and she's been in Lovecraft Country she, I'm like god damn it should have formed better friendships with her <laughs> <laughs> but she was lovely so I'm so happy for her to to be kicking ass in Marvel oh my gosh um yeah absolutely yeah she's, yeah, she, she's she very plays one of the is it the regulators or the um yeah. oh no Agent. Hunter Hunter B15 is her is her character it's not memorable I'm just going to call her Wunmi Masaku because she's awesome. Okay. Yes, exactly. But, yeah, I can um, highlight – I can vouch for her. She was a lovely person. Very sweet. And the judge is uh, – and I'm I'm going to get this wrong. I'm very sorry, but it's uh, Gugu mabatha Raw, and she plays uh, Judge Ravonna Renslayer. That name is actually kind of significant. Okay. But I won't say any more than that because I, I realised in, in the last couple of seasons I've been uh, kind of doing a lot of spoiling – so I'll just I'll just say that she's potentially significant. It might not come up in this series, but okay. potentially significant. Well, Ren Slayer, that's yeah, no, Slayer. I mean, you, not not really. The, the the name it's her name itself doesn't hold any clues. Like like just the the fact that that is the character that she's playing is interesting. Okay, oh, a bit of sizzle there, everyone. A little Stu bit of sizzle. Keep an eye out for hash, that. Hashtag Stuart Sizzle. Indeed. Uh, I think we're we're pretty much wrapped up then for the first episode. Pretty much. I, I just have – I have two predictions. 
Oh um, yes. Prediction and I don't corner. know whether I don't know whether like you have any predictions or anything, or, but I, I I just had two that that immediately sprang out to me in this one, so I thought I'd get them out of the way quickly so that we can see how wrong I am eventually. So the first one is that uh, the timekeepers will definitely turn out to be evil, um, yeah. <laughs> or at least like bad guys. I don't think that's a massive prediction, but I, yeah, I'll just the, I'll, I'll plant my flag immediately and we'll see where that the, goes. The main three. Yeah, they're like the, yeah. the, the timekeepers themselves, like the three big timekeepers will turn out to be uh, evil or at least uh, not have good intentions in maintaining the sacred timeline. I have a prediction about them too. Yeah. It's just inspired by kind of the bureaucracy sort of thing. I have a little bit of don't look at the man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz style oh, interesting. theory that That's maybe they're one. just they're just, you know, a couple of bumbling mid level bureaucrats who somehow, you know, I'm a timekeeper and they're just sort of, you know, pulling levers and Interesting. That's a really interesting theory. I like yours better than mine. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I'm chuffed. I'm chuffed. Yeah, we'll I just see, we'll I, see who turns out to be right. I I think both could be very true. Like definitely, oh, yeah. the, they could be a big bad, the timekeepers. But yeah, I like the idea because they were sort of they were pumped up so much as the timekeepers that it just gave me a slight Wizard of Oz vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The other uh, prediction that I have is that we we've been told that the variant that they're hunting is a variant of Loki who's gone full crazy supervillain, but we don't see their face at the end of the episode. We don't see Loki, the variant that they're hunting. And I think that's because they're holding back a reveal that this is a female Loki. Ah, okay. That's my prediction. Oh, because haven't they... Haven't they come out and said that Loki is gender fluid or something? Yes. Now? Well, I mean, you know, in the comics, he has been a woman before, and even in the in the Norse myths, he gave birth as a horse, as a six legged horse. He gave, or sorry, as a mare, he gave birth to Odin's six legged horse Sleipnir. So you know, okay, that that's in the that's in the Norse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was the idea. He's a god of mischief, so no doubt. That's it. So, so like, even going right back to the original Norse, he is gender fluid. So I think we could see a female Loki. I don't know. That's just me. That would would be fun. Make a big deal about that. That's all. Because you know, bitches be crazy, Stu. Well, exactly. Makes sense. Exactly. Maybe that's. You know. Maybe maybe Loki's just trying to be a good man, but then like his female side takes over, and it's that time of the month, and like (laughs) just goes crazy (laughs) and kills people. There's, There's a lot of there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I forgot, Stu. Before we finish, the most fun bit of this episode, and I can't believe I didn't write it down first because yeah. I've been thinking about it all week and then it just left my mind. Loki was D.B. Cooper. Yes. God, I, I, I love this little vignette. I just went, I was like, hang on a second, I have a bomb. That sounds familiar. I don't know how I know. Jumped out of a plane and then and then he says, I can't believe you were D.B. Cooper. And I went, ah! <laughs> so if people don't know, D.B. Cooper is this sort of legendary kind of figure who hijacked a plane in 1971 uh, somewhere in, like, northeast US, and he he hijacked the plane. It stopped somewhere. They brought the money on board. The plane took off again, and at some point he jumped out of the plane with a parachute but was never found. And And they found... They found some banknotes near sort of in the area where he might have landed, but he, he he was never found. So did he die? Did he live? Did he, you know, and D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper, I think it was, and it became D.B. Cooper was like his name that he gave, but probably wasn't his real name. It's never been solved. Uh, and I think the FBI had an open case on it for since its start. I don't know if it's still open, but for years. 
uh, to try and solve this and never been solved. And the idea that he got, you know, it was a prank, that he it was a bet with Thor and Heimdall, like I just I that delighted me. I thought that was very yeah. very cute, and yeah. also because as a true crime sort of nerd, that was a very fun little reveal. And it leads me into my other point that I want to make, which is why does Loki's hair have to be so greasy and stringy? (laughs) (laughs) It is. He always is very slick, isn't he? He's very. um, When, when Tom Hiddleston as DB Cooper, he had his hair kind of slicked back. He was looking very manicured. And I was like, Oh, Tom giving me some James Bond vibes. Well, I was going to say like, if nothing else, that sequence definitely says that we have missed a, we have missed a beautiful opportunity to have Tom Hiddleston play James Bond. He would have been incredible. Maybe not. I think his forehead is too high. I think he's got too I, I think we would have gotten used to it. They, they wouldn't have that exact haircut. Like, they could make it work. Yeah, I'm sure they could. But, uh, he would have been yeah. fantastic. He, he yeah. was James Bond, basically. That's what he was he doing. He could still be. He's only 40. Like, he do could it. Still, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> he's he's he, perfect. Like, if he's finished with Marvel and with Loki, although I have heard that they're doing a second season of Loki, that it's in development yes. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another year or so, but yeah, he could, he could segue from that franchise into the bond. Franchise. I mean, he's very different from Daniel Craig. So yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going back to a little bit more, even dare I say a little bit Roger Moore, just, you know, slightly more. He can be a bit sleek. goofy, a bit silly, but you, you, yeah. you've got that steel there. Yeah, that's right. So you, maybe you, you would a, believe that his James Bond was an utter bastard. I think. Yeah. I think it, you, you'd get like, Pierce Brosnan, Roger Moore vibes with maybe like a dash of Connery, just a dash, yeah. not the huge amount, but just maybe a little dash. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, his Loki hair is just so greasy. It's like no one was going to respect you as king of the world of Midgard with hair like that, dude. <laughs> when you can't get your your beauty can, your routine down, you know. I know. Get a comb. That's, that's, that's not gram ready. I'm sorry. Get a, get a haircut and get a new job, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we need to work out a sign-off for this, uh, for Loki. Is there anything? We're burdened with glorious purpose. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of our first Loki podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter. Stu is at Disco Stew. I'm at Girl Clumsy. Please feel free to tweet us. We love that. We love feedback. Positive feedback is preferred, obviously. But, hey, if you've got, <laughs> if you've got criticisms and call-ins, do it. We need to learn. We need to learn. Uh, I am so grateful, as always, to people who are on my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Thank you, everyone, who continues to, to, to support me there. Really uh, 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 don't have the words, as you can hear. You can also follow on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. Haven't seen any more Game of Thrones stuff coming out about uh, House of the Dragon. No, when it's we just did just the last, along. yeah, when we did the last Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they there had been all those drops and reveals of costumes and stuff like that. Haven't seen anything since, so fingers crossed we're on track for 2022 for that one. Somebody asked me on Twitter, it's like, oh, would you consider doing recaps if, if that comes out? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> try, you try sweet, and stop her, you sweet summer child. I'm all about trying to recapture that magic. Uh, put lightning back in that bottle. The idea uh, that they would have to persuade you, Natalie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, really? Me? Right about Game of Thrones? Associated Game of Thrones product? Um, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> With apps on. But yes, please reach out. Please call in. This has been Stu. I've been Nat. This has been the Loki, Raven on Loki. We haven't got a nickname for it, too. Like Loki here? 
Uh, <laughs> I did it all for the Loki. <laughs> uh, Loki, a plane, a bird. No. Um, <laughs> we'll work it out. But right now. The Loki in all the wrong places. Ah! I like it. It's a bit long for a, for a title. But it's a good catchphrase at the end. I'm Nat, I'm Stu, and we've been Loki for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> That'll do. All right. Our variant of this podcast had a much better sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sign-off. That's yeah. the sign-off. We got there in the end. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next week for episode two of Loki. Bye.